Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're on episode 179. Uh, I'm back after my, my week hiatus, but it's good to be here. Got a good show. So let's go into in introductions with Soraya Zell. I'm Zell. As boring as always. At least you're consistent, my friend. All right, Florida man, you're up. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Bate, and I am the uh, the show's resident Florida man, currently uh, booking my ass down Kernan Boulevard uh, so I can get home to a better setup for uh, so I can contribute to the podcast. Which is more than Zell does, but hopefully you do not die in a horrible podcast-related car accident and you know, you'll, you'll make the news and then we'll probably talk about you. So it'll be great either way. So get back safely, Bates. All right, Jay, you are up. Yes. Um, so my name is Jason and I'm also one of the uh, purveyors of the Biomass Media Empire. And we're all patiently waiting to live stream Bates, you know, horrible car accident, uh, at which point we'll make sure he's okay. And then we will like ridicule him as though there is no tomorrow. Uh, the only thing I've got going on for 179 is, interestingly enough, that is actually uh, the entry for the number 180 in UrbanDictionary.com. That is very interesting. Very cool. All right, Livy, you're up. You have to push the push to talk button. Am I There you are. There you are. Yeah, no, see, why did you answer? See, no, like, still, you you let him hang Fritz for about from, three seconds. <laughs> I'm still Fritz from Bourbon Street. Oh, my God. Um, I'm Livy playing blogging yes Livy and i were in new orleans this last week and survived bourbon streets so that was certainly uh entertaining but i am pokey draven i help host the show here uh and Livy and i do our dungeon crawl series on youtube uh missed a few uh release dates in the last few weeks i've been traveling everywhere um but we will be getting back on that uh, this this monday so tomorrow uh as of this recording so i, I do appreciate your patience but we are back for the show so here we go. So starting at the top of the list here, we've got uh, Movies and Entertainment. Black Panther got a new trailer for its uh, you know cinema debut. What'd you guys think of that one? Looked pretty cool, actually. I'm kind of I'm kind of uh, interested in seeing this one. Yeah, I'm burnt out beyond reason on superhero flicks, but uh, this this is actually pretty hyped. It looked pretty cool. I'm, I think it looks pretty badass. So it's it should be good. What about you, uh, Zell? I know you're a, a purveyor of the superhero genre. What do you what do you think about? Um, it? you know, it it looks good. Um, we'll see. Um, I, I think it'll probably do pretty well. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, I'm I'm burnt out on this stuff, but it's good to see you know some pretty pretty hype trailers coming out. So uh, it should should be good. I, I hope it does well. And it looks like that one is actually coming out uh, next year, February 16th in theaters. So uh, still a ways off. Got four or five months to go. But, uh, you know, we're getting there and uh, hopefully it does well. Well, the one thing I, I do like about it is that they're, this is actually a pretty marked expansion for kind of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They're definitely taking, taking us to a place we have not seen before, which I think is that's actually a good thing. Uh, and it looks pretty sharp, actually. Uh, so this is... Uh, this has the potential to be quite good, actually, I think. Yeah, and I think that they could do some really cool stuff with it. And, um, you know, it's, it, it certainly touches on some, some interesting points, and I think they could, they could really go somewhere with it. So, like I said, I, I do hope that it does, uh, does well. I'd like to see it succeed. Well, what it, what it looks like it does pretty well is it really kind of – like Wakanda in the comics is a, this really interesting sort of – environment that you don't see in a lot of other comics so ostensibly when you look at it from the surface it's like your standard sub-saharan africa country you know third world-esque type type kind of environment uh but under that 
is a, this incredibly technologically advanced society uh, that basically goes to great lengths to hide that from the rest of the world. And, uh, and there's like some heavy overtones of mysticism here and there, but it's, it, it, it is a very real kind of, uh, uh, you know, almost Asgard like flavor to it. Like when you see it in the comics and they've, I think they've carried that over really well, uh, at least in the trailer that we saw so far. So I'm kind of interested to see how they explain a lot of this. If it's, if it's tied more to the cosmic realm or if it's, you know, how, how do they kind of explain this in the, in the Marvel, Marvel universe? Cause effectively black Panther is basically a combination of Tony Stark and Batman and probably captain America. I mean, he's, he's an incredibly, uh, powerful entity in the Marvel universe that kind of would pop up every once in a while until he became an Avenger. And so how they're going to spin this is, is pretty interesting. It'll be, it'll be kind of neat to see what they do uh, in terms of you know, how they play this character out. I like the actor though. Uh, the actor was, he was really good in uh, the last Avengers movie. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how this, this plays out. I'm, I'm actually kind of excited for this. Yeah, and like you said, I think that uh, they're diving quite a bit into Wakanda and actually focusing pretty heavily on that, and not just straight you know action the whole time. It looks like they're trying to get into kind of the political uh, world building and what's actually going on in this area, and I think that should be really interesting to kind of because, like you said, it's an environment that you don't typically see um, in the other parts of the universe. You get a little bit of in the Asgard, where it's kind of this mix of what we perceive as magic and technology. Um, but you know, a, a little more close to home, I think. Um, this should be should be pretty cool. I, I'd like to see how it does. It'd be good to see. It's interesting you say that because I think don't quote me. It's been a while. I think Cap Captain America's shield is it is minerals or something that it's kind. Of, it really is a tie-in to how every society hush hush. It's vibranium. vibranium. Yeah. It's so vibranium. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're well, and that's that is they don't really explain that very well. I don't th- think they went too much of that into the into the Marvel movies, but you're absolutely right. It's a uh, predominantly vibranium, some kind of weird alloy, but it's it's literally I think the only place in the entire Marvel universe that you can find it is Wakanda. Uh, so it's like you know people from like other worlds don't have that. So it, it's got this. It, it's very kind of do six mock in it. There's almost like nothing it doesn't have in it. Or there, there's all these fantastical properties it has. It goes way beyond adamantium, you know, which is like the classic kind of Wolverine trope of the unbreakable metal. Uh, it's not quite that way. Uh, it was alluded to pretty heavily in um, Age of Ultron in the uh, Age of Ultron movie because I think the a lot of the shell was going to be a, a vibe. You know, the actual Ultron shell was going to be a uh, vibranium alloy, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that. But they, I mean. Wakanda generally has a you know the highest technology level of anywhere on Earth. That's Tony Stark, Marvel's re, you know as a society you know probably the only the only thing that has got them on raw technology you know in a pervasive sense is like uh, Mr. Fantastic, Reed Richards, who is you know debatably the smartest person in the Marvel universe. Um, but you know, like I said, the character of Black Panther I've always really liked because the way they portrayed him is really. Um, absolutely a you know has the money of tony stark slash bruce wayne probably the morals of a captain america a different set of morals different set of like a very different cultural background but definitely you know the upstanding super you know you know kind of moral high ground kind of guy and he's just incredibly efficient he was 
pretty much hold his own with about any other Avenger outside of, you know, like something ridiculous, like anybody versus the Hulk or something like that. But it's, um, I'm very, I'm very glad that they were able to actually put this movie together. Cause I don't think a lot of people actually know who black Panther is un- until here recently that it's not really caught the public attention, but he's always been a fantastic character for Marvel. Yeah. I think it's, it's a really good thing that they got this out and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Now, was he in age of Ultron? Yep. He was the guy dressed like the Black Panther in the movie. Well, no, see, I'm get, then I'm getting Age of Ultron confused with Civil War, right? P- maybe. Because <laughs> okay, the the only reason I ask honestly is, do we know if he's going to be in the next Avengers flick? No, but I would guess yes. Okay. Yep, yep, good stuff. And so, like I said, that's coming out uh, in theaters February sixteenth, twenty eighteen. So we're we're getting there, but uh, should be good when it does pop out. Uh, also looks like the Punisher got another trailer. Um, this is going to be a Netflix show. Um, again, I'm probably not going to watch this one, but damn, that, that, uh, trailer soundtrack is, is pretty badass. I, I gotta say it's got a real good mix of, uh, of the Metallica there. Oh, Punisher. Yeah. Yeah. Wicked good. Yeah. So, uh, are any of you going to check that one out or is it bring any interest? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much, I'll have to stay with watching pretty much all the Netflix, you know, kind of Marvel stuff. Cause it's, they're generally pretty good. The Frank Castle, you know, the Punisher Frank Castle's uh, injection to Daredevil were excellent. I'm not a, I was not a huge John Barenthal fan. I mean, he's, a, he's a, he's a solid character actor uh, in a couple different movies. Uh, but, you know, he's actually quite good in this. Uh, not exactly who I would have picked to be Punisher, but he's done an incredible job as it. Oh, well, that's good. So, yeah, it looks like uh, that one is also coming out uh, this year, November 17th, on Netflix. So that's actually real close here, a um, few weeks. So if you're interested, you will be able to pick that one up and binge to your heart's content uh, very soon. Yeah, the the one thing that is interesting about Punisher, and they did a good job with the Daredevils or Daredevil, uh, you know, series. It's not really you know, his story wasn't really fleshed out real well as a character until this series called Welcome Back Frank or Welcome Home Frank, which are, is phenomenal. It is really goes into kind of the backstory of, of what makes somebody like this. Uh, but it was always watching him operate around these other classic superheroes that really made things interesting. Uh, so this is definitely much more of a, a singular kind of entry for him, obviously. And if you didn't know anything about Punisher, like you literally like knew nothing about it, you could just probably watch this and it would be, you know, kind of a John Wick-esque type, you know, probably a little bit more brutal movie. Uh, but it's when you put him in the context of a bunch of superheroes, he he's like that flip side of the superhero. He's like, this is what a superhero isn't, uh, but ultimately tries to fight for some of the same things. So it's pretty interesting. Like I said, I think it looks good. All right. Sounds good. So moving along here, uh, kind of an interesting tidbit. So we've known for quite a while that Han Solo is getting um, an origin story movie. And this is kind of be one of those Star Wars stories, not part of the main lineup, but uh, in line with like uh, Rogue One, where it's kind of a side story, not part of the main saga, but just kind of explaining the backstory or an event or that sort of thing. And so Han Solo was uh, obviously a popular pick, kind of a young Han Solo origin story. Finally gets a movie title, and it's literally just Solo. Um, one word, very simple. Just kind of want to get people's opinions on that. Um, if they like it, if they don't like it, uh, it's been kind of hotly debated if it's a good title or not. I was just kind of curious what you guys thought about it. You know, the first thing I want to say is that 
I had to pass over like two different websites where I refused to click on because their their entire title was like they've announced the title of the Han Solo movie and then like the start of the 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 text would be like so yada 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 it's coming out soon this and this and they finally announced the title click to continue to find out what it is oh hell no I went through like two or three different websites that I intentionally was like I am not clicking on that I don't need to know it's a four letter title well, if you can't even get a four-letter title without me clicking on your website, you suck as a journalist. So, folks, uh, uh, what we've done recently, in case none of you know, we've taken most of Zell's meds away and we've given them to his ferrets. <laughs> and we're recording this for posterity. So, may not be the best podcast ever, hashtag, but it's going to be the most interesting with a car wreck, a crazy man, world travelers, and somebody just watching it all <laughs> so, <laughs> should be good. <laughs> oh man! So websites aside, though, what do you think of the title? It's it's four letters. Sounds like he's going it alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got my sunglasses. So okay, I, you know, I should just expect a non-committal answer from Zell. Jay, what do you think of the title? Uh, I think it was a safe. Honestly, it, it was a safe choice for a uh, for a title. And they, they probably need safe and conservative choices right now. Reference this movie, but just based on the, you know, all the rumblings of how much of a grease fire it has been up to this point. Uh, so I suspect it will, uh, you know, if Ron, Har- Ron Howard's going in there to, to like clean stuff up, you know, you don't bring in somebody like that unless that was a, uh, if the movie was going well and they, and they needed another director for whatever reason, you wouldn't have gotten somebody with the cachet of Ron Howard. Ron Howard was probably brought in as much for his name and reputation as any sort of, you know, directorial, you know, or writing capability that he brings to the table. Um, You bring in somebody like Ron Howard when you're making a statement that, no, we, this is under control. Uh, So I I think the name is a safe choice. You know, it could have been named almost, you know, almost anything, I guess, but, it's pretty good. I do like the fact that, you know, you're starting to see like a naming convention of like a Star Wars story, you know, solo a Star Wars story, you know, Rogue One a Star Wars story. I really like I'm I'm very excited for what you could do with kind of the with these one off movies that don't have to be tied in to anything. And they and that has a lot of potential to it in a way where, you know, sort of Marvel has has their bread and butter is a well-crafted and integrated universe throughout, you know, 20 some odd properties now over the last 10 years. But Star Wars, you know, they've got their, you know, the, these huge tentpole trilogies that they work that they work off of, and they've not really capitalized really well outside of those things. You know, you, I mean, you could definitely say, you know, like Clone Wars, stuff like that. They, they've had some success. Uh, Star Wars Rebels, you know, th- those are, definitely more geared toward niche audiences, kid audience and stuff like that. And they'll like pipe in some um, more far reaching stuff. But with rogue one, they really opened a lot of doors into what else could we do around this, you know, around this property, so to speak. And I think if, if they can turn the Han Solo movie into something that's not a, a farce and B doesn't absolutely, you know, set on fire, anything, that people like about the characters um, that they've got a chance to keep, 
you know, to kind of keep it going. I'll be honest with you. I think that was a huge gamble making a, a Han Solo uh, prequel movie to begin with. You're taking in one of the most iconic characters in screen history uh, with one of the most beloved actors in modern memory, or at least, well, most popular actors in modern, modern uh, American cinema. You're really rolling the dice with a guy that almost nobody's ever heard of playing the, you know, the title role. Uh, so I think, I think they could have chosen some safer options uh, as opposed to a Han Solo movie, but they, you know, I, I got to give it to them. They're, they're rolling, they're rolling it big. One of the cool things about rogue one was the fact that they could work that movie around a lot of, of other things that happened in the star Wars universe that were familiar, but you know, they kind of had to build those characters up and you could, and you were excited to see where the characters went here. You kind of really know this guy's entire arc for the most, other than a very, than this small slice that you, that we haven't seen because we caught, caught him fairly young, so to speak. And you, you were with him for 35 years all the way to the point where he died. So I'll be interested to see kind of how they, how they work with this. So all in all safe choice for a movie name. I don't get too hyped about movie names, but uh, kind of interested to see which way this one goes. It, it, I, I think it will be interesting because uh, if I'm not mistaken, in the old, uh, in the expanding universe before, uh, before Disney killed that one, um, Han, wasn't he like a, uh, like a, a dropout of like the Imperial Academy or something or something? If I'm remembering, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, at he, least that's what he, it was. he was at one point. I mean, he, well, I think it was the Corellian, you know, version of it or whatever. Yeah. It was. Okay. Okay. Like the yeah, pants, so, yeah. like the pants they wore with the red stripes on it in the first movie. Those are um, called Corellian blood stripes, and you get that being a, you know, like a an officer or officer cadet or something like that. I, okay. Okay. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see how how much the if they are going to write a new origin story for him, uh, seeing how much that will that will um, play off of. I guess what's been established, but isn't canon anymore. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, no I'm with you. I, I, I really hope that they do not have. Uh, yeah, I've heard some rumors about having like you know some Darth Vader, you know, scenes or cameo. I really, really hope they don't do that. I, I truly hope they do not do that. Uh, it, would, it would be okay if there was like a Boba Fett, you know, shot in there somewhere. But I think that would I kind mean, of take away from using. If you just use dark Darth Vader like that, like you're sprinkling salt on on a meal, it doesn't work. I feel like that that's what they would be doing with with uh, Boba Fett as well. But, well, I don't know. Well, I mean, it would make more sense with Boba Fett in, in that world because he runs in that world. It would not make sense to have Darth yeah, Vader interacting yeah. with this dude. You know. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. like the the use of Vader in Rogue One was entirely appropriate and extremely well done well, like yeah. that was top tier um but like like jay said it doesn't really make sense because he never he wasn't really connected to the han solo until you know episode uh four five six where you started to see interaction like that and i think to put but it in there was, was Fett, cheap in the game. yeah it was he has, he has history he? yeah they've got history oh. there's a reason he wants to kill him <laughs> like huh. well no they, i mean so in the you're right okay you take the old expanded universe out uh the reality is Boba Fett runs in the same strata or circles that Han Solo did. You know, he's he's a smuggler. Okay. He's done okay. all kind of stuff. Okay. You know, Boba Fett's a bounty hunter. Blah blah blah. He they absolutely knew who each other was. They might not have interacted that much, although there's a lot of expanded universe stuff that implied that they had at least right. in, okay. in multiple you know kind of 
you know, varieties, but I think Woody Harrelson is playing Han Solo's like mentor, like smuggling mentor that what would be really good. You could easily have a, you know, showdown with a, a you know, younger Boba Fett, like, you know, putting the habeas gravis on Woody Harrelson or something like that. That something like that would work out really well. You know, that, that would, that would make sense. Yeah, I mean, it's it, there's a lot of ways they could go with it, but uh, like you said, the name was def- the title was definitely very safe, um, close to the chest, straightforward, um, which is actually probably pretty appropriate given the the character it's the movie's about. So, you know, I think it's it's all right. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how well they do with this, especially following in the steps of you know Rogue One being so so top tier. Um, you know, I hope that they can at least come close to that mark because, like you said, it's a very iconic character, very important to cinema as well as the Star Wars universe, and you'd hate to see it put a bad taste in people's mouths. So I think the film will probably play it kind of safe, too. They're not going to try to go too crazy with it because if you screw it up, you this is a really bad film to screw up, you know? But yeah, so looking forward to that one. Uh, so Solo is coming out May 25th, 2018. So still quite a ways off on that one. But, uh, you know, I'll absolutely be seeing that one. I'm, you know, just all the Star Wars, everything has just been really top notch lately. So I'm, I'm pretty excited and it'll be good to see. And hopefully it uh, lives up to the expectations that people have kind of set for it. And you said May 25th for that one? Yes, May 25th next year. So ways off. But, uh, you know, we, we've got episode uh, eight still coming up here in December. So I got my tickets ordered for that. So it's uh, you know pretty exciting stuff. All right. So kind of moving along. Did you guys talk about Blade Runner at all last week? I don't think so. We briefly really. mentioned it. I think we were mostly waiting for you to come back though. Sure. Sure. Okay. So I did kind of want to talk a bit about it. Um, Libby actually went and saw it with me as well. So she can probably chime in on uh, her thoughts, but uh, yeah. So that was good. Like really good. Um, I was very, very impressed with the film. Um, incredibly solid. I, I, I'll probably go into light spoilers with, with this just because it's been a few weeks and it's probably safe now. Um, I still haven't seen it, but you know. Oh, well, do I, I can hold off if are, you want. Are you going to see it? Seeing it. I, I plan to see it. I just don't okay. know when. So now you can go ahead. No, we'll, 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 we'll keep it. We'll keep it close to that, the chest. I, I don't I, think. Trust me. I, I think at this point he's probably already seen it on the inter- internet. Uh, fair <laughs> enough. Um, so <laughs> Jason actually asked me this question uh, when we talked about it briefly on uh, Destiny a few about a week ago. But I'm going to ask him now. So Jason, is Decker a replicant? I think I think I I am I am totally 50/50 on it. And and the reality is I I think that actually is one of the things that makes the movie work uh that he is or isn't or, or it doesn't matter because it plays it plays the same either way. Uh I'm I'm, I think I'm sli- I'm like 51% that he's a replicant. They, they and the thing is is that they they tease you with it with that one line when he's talking to the yeah. Alex character and he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, this." And he's like it's, it's totally like that. Or is it? And I'm like, "Ah." Oh. <laughs> they they're not going to tell us, are they? Um, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it was that was a good scene. That that uh going with Jared Leto. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 dude is creepy as hell like if you want to play if you want someone to play like a real creepy sociopath he he does a pretty good job of just being weird and you feel kind of uncomfortable watching him and like the whole god complex to 11 was was i thought pretty well done in the flick with uh, the jared leto character yeah pretty much pretty much all of his uh, I, hands down blade runner is the best movie out that nobody's watching like that's the, yeah. the reality 
Well, the original didn't do very well initially. That's either, true. Though, right? That's it's very like, true. It, it did not. I, I, Olivia and I were actually talking about this in the car uh, a few days ago, and it was it was like it's funny seeing people going back to Blade Runner after the fact to be like, Oh my God, this is so amazing and relevant. I'm like, well, yeah, because they went and saw all of the stuff that Blade Runner inspired and people said, well, yeah, this is just like Blade Runner. And then they went back and went, Oh my God, it's amazing. So, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where it's kind of a slow burn where it's going to have, you know, kind of okay sales initially. And it's just going to kind of ride out for, for a really long time. It's going to be kind of one of those cult classics. Yeah, no, I think you're right. It's going to definitely have some staying power Um, in terms of like the actual, so we can get a, get a little bit into the plot. um, What if, if in, you know, 20 seconds or less, how would you describe this plot to somebody that is passingly familiar to the Blade Runner world? Ooh, let me think. If they're entirely new to the Blade Runner world. Um, so it's basically a story about someone who is an artificial human trying to come to terms with what exactly makes the difference between a human and an artificial human and what evidence can be construed as real and what's fake. Where do you draw that line? And, you know, coming to terms with it, things are not always what you hope or may think they are. Um, and sometimes, you know, you're not the main character of the story. Uh, it's, it's yeah. Something like that. Yeah. No, I, I, I would say that one of the strengths of this movie is if you knew nothing about the original movie, like you were aware that there was a movie called Blade Runner, you could probably watch this and you would understand it. Um, and, and I think it really, I think you touched on, it's like, you know, like how, like, what does it mean to be human? Uh, or what does it mean to be a person? They've got like a, a lot of neat dialogue uh, cuts in there. If you really, really kind of, kind of look into it and figure out, um, or, or you know, do some little bit of examination of the movie, it's pretty good. The, um, there was one scene I thought was actually pretty good. By the way, uh, I, I absolutely, I'm not a huge Ryan, Ryan Gosling fan, but he was, superb in this movie everybody generally was really good uh robin wright fantastic as the police lieutenant but there's a scene between the two where he kind of hesitates when she's ordering him ordering him to you know to basically kill what you as what you assume is potentially a half human half half replicant baby uh or, or person rather and he kind of hesitates and that you know it's obviously like that is far out of the norm for what he he is because he is a replicant that's which is that's that's not even a spoiler that's like identified like first like 30 seconds of the movie um and she said well what's wrong he's like i've never had to retire retire anything that was born and uh it was was an interesting sort of byplay and there's just this theme of what does it mean to be human throughout the entire movie Uh, so long story short uh Agent K is, or you know, Officer K is a replicant. He is basically a replicant Blade Runner, whose function is to retire or kill other other replicants, um, w- which is crazy in and of itself. But again, it further kind of it's one of those one more like little pieces of of uh, you know little nail in there of is Deckard one of the is he the first replicant that was that they used in that role. So he's going through the movie exam. He has an uh, interaction uh, fight with a, uh, another replicant uh, played by Dave Batista, who does a really, really good job in a short scene 
And if you watch the, you know, sort of the additive short movies, he's got a great one that features him that tells a lot about his character. And uh, you, they discover basically the, bottle, the body of Rachel, uh, the replicant Sean Young's character from the first movie. And you determine that she's had a child, which was absolutely a not thought possible and two probably forbidden you know, by any number of laws and stuff like that. So now there's a, there's a hunt, a very secretive hunt to figure out where this hybrid uh, at the time they were thinking is a hybrid entity was coming from. So, which then puts him, puts, puts agent K the, the replicant at odds with any number of different entities, whether it's the, his own police department, it's the, uh, it's Neander Wallace played by Jared Leto as Pokey said, very creepily uh, and all of his, he's the, he's the, he's the sole person who produces replicants, which are effectively bioengineered humans, uh, which was not explained very well in the first movie, by the way, what they no, were. No, I, I thought they were robots in the first movie. And then this one, they, they very clearly say, no, they're, they're straight up humans. They just are engineered. So it was kind of good to clarify right. that. And, uh, and then you also have a, another faction, which appears later in the movie, uh, of replicants, which are, uh, I guess, effectively, you know, seeking their, their freedom. They're trying to like foment rebellion. So it, it's fascinating. Uh, also, I, did, I don't know if you caught this, but the, basically the replicant, the replicant, like, you know, rebellion, so to speak, they want to rise up and be free. And Neander Wallace wants to produce more replicants so that he can, I think, you know, again, continue to expound this God complex that he has Two two seemingly similar, similar outcomes. Like they want the child to produce so they can figure out how to produce more replicants, but for wildly different reasons. And then you want the human faction, which is ultimately represented by uh, Robin Wright's character, the police Lieutenant. They want all of this. They, they just want all of this to stop and to maintain the status quo. Um, and then you've got Agent K in the middle, which is this, it's pretty fascinating. It's a really, really good story. So long story short, they go through all this and, you know, he, he eventually tracks down Harrison Ford, who, uh, he's not in the movie except for maybe the last 30 or 40 minutes, right? Yeah, it's all right. But it's just exceptionally well done. And you, you do end up finding the child um, who I did not figure out that's who it was until, until the very end of the movie, you know, shortly before uh, they, you know, they reunited Harrison Ford and the and uh, and the child, the daughter. It was a a really really good flick. Uh, anything surprised you in the movie? How the, the did, were you tracking the plot the whole way, or did it catch you off guard? Did, did I, you notice? Did you notice that they gave it away? When did her free? They pretty much gave it away yes. right then and there. When she said, "Oh, I'm sorry, they let that one through." I don't know why it didn't like light bulb right there i didn't think about it wait what you don't think about it until until later when it's when he determines how how that memory came about like it it was so the the whole the way the way he catches up this is it's a great it's a great catch livy um it's it's kind of a a well-known thing like they were beginning to do this in the original blade runner movie where they'd implant memories or false memories as basically an emotional cushion to these replicants which I think only lived four years in the first movie. That was their, their shelf life. And so to pr- make them more malleable and more stable, they would give them these emotional backings of these sort of, you know, flash memories, if you will. And it very clearly has progressed quite a bit, uh, you know, 30 years in the future. Well, that's really the hook is you know, a lot of the, 
the detective work is built around some of these memories that Agent K has. And and I also caught like at the uh, when he's having this initial meeting with the replicant army that a lot of other replicants have that memory. Did you catch that? Yeah, it was like this. I don't know. Like all of he said, all all of us wanted wanted of... to be that one. Yeah. Yeah. That was fascinating. Yeah, because when when he initially was talking to her um, about the memory, she goes, "Oh, well, that one must have got let through." My th- initial thought was, "Okay, they tried to cover up his real memories." with fake ones, but that original right. memory made its way through. And so he is, you know, he is the, the child. And I, I honestly, I believe that was absolutely the case until they tell you it's not. And I was like, Oh, holy shit. And I think that's really the, the that's probably the best part of the movie. When you completely believe along with the character that he is the main character of the story. And then you're kind of sitting there dumbfounded as he's sitting there dumbfounded going, what, what do you mean I'm not? And they're like, well, yeah, I know you're. We we all want to be that, but you know we're not. You you're just another kind of pawn in this game. And it's like, wow, I I feel sick right now. I mean, he's he's screwed up as an audience member. You're kind of screwed up, like that kind of that twist. And I'm not easily surprised by by plots usually. And this one totally got me. Really, really well done. Like I was probably my favorite part of the film when that that scene when he's sitting in kind of the the basement with the rest of the replicants realizes I'm not I'm not the child I'm not the, the chosen one. Um, and then probably the scene following that when he's uh, walking through the city and then sees the advertisement for his you know AI wife. Yeah. Um, oh man, it was just that was really really well done. Well, you know the funny part like if the way I took that is you spend this a large part of the movie believing that he you know he's half replicant half human or really it's certainly heavily alluding to that anyway and he his his acting over the course and this is where we're gosling he, he's, he is a very talented actor over the course of the movie he his acting changes with the tone of the character very well he he did a really good job of this emotional arc of like basically building up to Hey, I'm human. I need to access, you know, I need to like, I, I want to feel more human emotions and, and go, you know, expand sort of the, that emotional rise. And, and he goes through this wild set of emotions uh, throughout the course of his discovery. And it was, I think it was really like, he's like, once it determined, he determines like, no, I'm, I am a replicant, but I still have human. I am, I am a human. I have human feelings. That was basically his, his arc over the movie is, you know, which was phenomenal. Uh, I thought anyway, that was actually quite good. Yeah, no, I, I noticed that as well, where he starts off very, very robotic, very cold to the point. This is my job. This is what I do. I'm a replicant. This is my purpose. And it, he definitely kind of goes to this emotional, you know, evolution over time, you know, starting kind of with, um, his out his outburst in uh, speaking to the daughter um, initially, where he he believes right. that the, the it's real and he just kind of freaks out. Like everything up until this point was was bullshit, and from that point on, he rapidly kind of goes to this. Yes, I am this person. I've got I got to do this. I'm, you know, I I want to go meet my dad and all this other stuff. Um, and then that all kind of just crumples into you know he doesn't regress, but it definitely shifts rapidly after that point in the film when he realizes. None of that was true either. Um, and so he's kind of left in this weird limbo between what he was before and what he became. And it was very well done. Um, Gosling did a fantastic job. It was very, it felt natural. It wasn't this forced 
character shit that you usually see with that sort of thing was very very well done so i gotta get props to the guy for that yeah i i think it was it was spot on the uh it, it definitely captured the tone and the the things that made the first movie special it definitely it did not like you know it didn't copy paste it really built on them the 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 sound the music the visuals all of that extremely well done in terms of not just you know like basically a natural progression from what you saw in the first movie. They were obviously able to expand it. You, you see more environments and things like that in this movie, which I thought was fascinating. Um, it was pretty, pretty, pretty well done. I thought the, I thought towards the very end, uh, sort of the agent K's death scene, minor spoiler, uh, that it was, it had just enough, the shades of, uh, Rutger Hauer's death scene in, in the first one that it was, it was a pretty good homage to it. And in fact, the, the music was, uh, it had some of the, it captured, it like had some of the same notes of uh, Roy Batty's death music was playing while Agent K was laying in the snow. Uh, so it was quite good. And I, I, and frankly, I like the fact that they leave a whole lot of things undone in that movie. And it's in terms of the very end. So the, basically the movie ends when Harrison Ford meets his actual, daughter who, who may either be like the child of two replicants or the child of a human replicant, you know, but it, at that point it doesn't matter. Um, but all there's just this huge swath of major league issues that are absolutely left unresolved because ultimately they didn't matter that much to the characters that were, you know, the movie was really about. It was actually quite good. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, it, and I like the mirror of, you know, in the, like you said, the death scene where it's, he's instead of laying in the rains, laying in the snow, um, very similar kind of feel to it. Um, and the fact that they leave things open is good. I think that a lot of what made Blade Runner, the original uh, good was the fact that you weren't entirely sure of everything that was going on. But like you said, it didn't really matter because the film wasn't about events. It wasn't really about, you know, what happened. It's about, the idea behind what's happening, you know, what, what makes a human, what makes a replicant. And, and you actually put it quite, quite well. Um, when you said, is it, is it a child between two replicants or a replicant and a human? And it doesn't matter. And that's actually kind of the whole point is that at that point, it doesn't really matter the difference between a human and a replicant because it happens and that's, what's important. Um, and I think that this overall, the message was very solid, very well wrapped up. Um, the plot, flowed well um it was a long movie but it, it felt re really well paced i didn't feel like it was rushed or anything um overall just extremely extremely solid i'd give it a, a nine nine and a half out of ten like it was really damn good probably the best film i've seen in, in several years yeah no i'm on board livy your thoughts how'd you like it i i loved it of course i i watched it when i was very young so i've watched it many times of course asking people now when i'm adult have you seen the original oh there's it makes me sad but um I really enjoyed it. I think it needed to be as long as it was a slow build, a detective follow, and it came from really understanding what, sorry, humanity is, thinking about another duel, what that means, coming back to and really. So I think they answered and didn't answer a lot of questions. The one thing that just annoyed me, and I forgot her name, but Leto's sister. Love. She cried a lot. Yes. And I'm like, why are you... <laughs> Well, the, it was kind of weird because, like, in the, I, I was thinking about that too. Because, like, the first time you see it was when Leto kills a replicant that was just born or squeezed out of gogurt tubes, uh, if you will. <laughs> um, 
And it took me, I didn't, I, about halfway through the movie, I figured out like what he did, which was, she remember she said, hey, do you want to see the new model like you, before you leave? And he's like, yeah, of course I do. What he was doing was trying to find out if that, she was fertile. yeah, if she could, if she could give birth. Mm-hmm. And once his little, you know, eye robots told him no, he kills her. And she's crying, and and you're like, I thought she was going to be a much more sympathetic character throughout the movie. Um, and ultimately, it turns out she's not. She ha- it's very clear that she has been around long enough to develop some emotion, uh, but it's just really tightly controlled and under under layers and layers and layers because she is effectively the right you know the right hand of you know the person that created all of the rep- the current replicants. But it was, yeah, you're right. She did cry a lot. That was, that was interesting. Yeah, her character is probably one of the weaker ones. I think I wasn't really, I wasn't really feeling it. Like it wasn't bad, but it just wasn't on on the same level as a lot of the uh, other actors. Yeah, no, I would agree. I mean, she, she definitely. Uh, it there was a lot of like little nuances going on with what she was doing, but in terms of need, if you need like an you know an antagonist, she was doing fairly well. Getting her nails done while she's like doing a. You know, bas- basically, an, a uh, yes. a little support mission. Yeah, it's like <laughs> that's pretty good. It's like, do you play Eve by chance? Hey, di- hey, did you did you catch what I was saying, Pokey, about like the difference between replicants and humans? How it's oh yeah, incredibly obvious when you oh, see yeah. them together. Well, oh, and that's what God. got that's what got me thinking about you know the original because Decker actually fights. His the fights with him felt like replicant on replicant, but when no. um, K gets a, well, he got his ass kicked a lot. He, in that he first did, movie. but but not like the guys in the junkyard. Like oh, just <laughs> like ripped like ten dudes apart in like three seconds. It was like holy, okay, yeah, you do you. <laughs> you know, it was it was not even not even close to being a contest. So I mean, yeah, no, that was that was nuts. Um, and it, it, that's what kind of got me with thinking because initially before, you don't even realize that K is a replicant when he's fighting the um, the Dave Bautista character. Initially, um, you do shortly after, but I'm like, okay, so this is kind of like the first film, you know, he's, he's kind of getting his ass kicked, you know, thrown through a wall and stuff. And you're like, oh, okay, so he's he he's he is a replicant, all right. And then you get to that that scene, you know, the junkyard scene. You're just like, oh, okay, someone he, turned cheat codes on this guy. Yeah, like, he, he's straight up like. You know, Bane breaking Batman over his knee on a guy, and then shoots four guys in the face in like half a second, John Wick style. It was it's pretty good. Like the action scenes were kind of few and far between, but they were extremely well done in the movie, and they were very much delivering on a point. Um, did you did you see the Dave Batista that little seven minute uh, kind of short short with Dave Batista? Yes, and that was along the same lines where it's like they didn't even have a chance. And he was like effortlessly just like, eh, yeah, these are humans. Well, They're easy. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was trying to get at. It was like if you watch that, like that, that whether you watch that before or after the movie will definitely change how you view some things. If you see it before, that's effectively, that's the last short story that they released. And it happens, uh, I think, um, you know, within days of the movie starting. Because that's, a, I think that's the last thing you see in that is a guy picking up the phone going, hey, we got a rogue skin job down here. He's calling the cops, which ultimately gets puts K on his trail. Um, that is, it, it, when you see that before, you're like, okay, well, I know that one tells me a lot more about Dave Bautista's character, that he's much more human than you might would be led to believe in, in what you saw in the movie. 
because of the way he interacts with that family. And, and you can basically see he's got a form of PTSD is what it looks like to me. Um, and just the way he just manhandled or like replicant handled those people. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, and, that, was, and, that was good. And then when you see that, you're like, there's no way that K could have, would have held his own with that guy unless he was also a replicant. And also like it, you, you do catch like towards the end, like the um, Freya, the replicant rebellion leader. She's like, he, he let you kill him. And I didn't quite get that until I saw the, the, the short. Cause I was like, yeah, Batista might probably could have like, like ripped that dude's head off. Yeah, yeah, no, he was he was definitely pretty tough, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's a really interesting dynamic, and I, I kind of want to go back and actually watch some of the original fight scenes and kind of do a compare comp- contrast to the the newest one because you're right. I mean, the Decker and and K do get their asses handed to them pretty badly by by replicants. I think Decker probably more so in in the first just because I think he interacts with more of them uh, on kind of an even footing, but. Uh, yeah, like just the scenes of the replicants versus humans. You're like, yeah, forget it. You know, no wonder they build combat combat models of these guys, and they have to fight other replicants. The replicants, because there's no way any normal person could actually handle this, because it's just it's insane. So that is a, that's a great point. I mean, if you, I'm sitting here thinking, it was like you go back, like he, you know, Decker did he did he lost a lot. Like he basically in every fight, he had like four fights in that movie against each one of the replicants. He retired and. For for a large part of all four of them, he was losing. Uh, he wasn't losing as bad as you know the the little scavenger guys in the, in the junkyard lost to Agent K, but he he was not he was certainly not winning most of that. Um, so it's you know it may maybe go back goes back to what you said may have uh, you know another little bit of piece of information like whether he was a potentially a replicant and just maybe not he was he was strong enough to, to survive, but not maybe he wasn't accessing the same capabilities. The other ones were. Yeah. And I mean, and at the end, it, it, they obviously don't want you to know because they, they kind of troll you a bit. They go, well, yeah, cause you were a replicant. He goes, but were you, do you know, are you sure? Uh, and you're like, ah, okay. So clearly the point isn't that it doesn't matter really either way, um, which I thought was pretty good. So, you know, but yeah, overall film was, just fantastic it's it's a really really good one if you haven't seen it um we pretty much spoiled everything but go see it anyways it's it's really a, a treat um and it's definitely worth your time and money so i, I think i probably saw a nine nine and a half out of ten very very good flick all right so let's move along here to some more gaming related stuff uh, i won't spend too much time on this but uh one thing i wanted to go over that popped up last week uh oculus go so oculus um is the company that makes oculus rift vr headset um Kind of a mid-grade uh, headset that requires a PC to run. Um, we've talked about it quite a bit on the show. Uh, so Facebook, who owns Oculus, they acquired them shortly before the original headset came out, uh, announced last week that they are producing something called the Oculus Go. And this is an entirely standalone uh, VR headset that is... It's, it's kind of like the, the Samsung VR gear where you kind of clip your phone into it. Um, but this has the computer and the screen built into it. There's no phone that goes into it. It's just a standalone headset. You just put in your head, internal battery, good to go. Um, and so this is actually coming out for uh, $200, which is really, really low. Um, it's actually surprisingly low uh considering the vr gear is 100 bucks that still requires the phone the fact that this is an all-in-one package or 200 bucks is pretty impressive so uh it's got a 2056 uh, it's a 
2560 by 1440 resolution, which is actually higher than the current Oculus Rift at uh, 2160 by 1200, which is also the same as the HTC Vive. Um, LCD screen, um, so it's actually really high resolution, um, all things considered. And it's it's significantly higher than the PSVR, which is uh, at 1920 by 1080. So, it, I mean, already we're seeing uh, a big jump in the resolution of VR headsets, which I know is something that Zell and I have commented on, that it, it still feels a little low for what it is. Uh, so the fact that they're able to push that higher already is, is really telling, which is largely why I've been holding off on buying um, any significant uh, headsets so far. So that's good. Uh, integrated audio. So it's got like headphones kind of built into the strap. So you just put it on your head. Um, there's no earbud or anything. It's just you put it on, you're good to go. Uh, makes it a little bit easier for people to kind of pass it around, share it at a party, whatever. So that's pretty cool. Um, and it also comes with a small little remote for like games and apps. So if you, you know, you, you aren't tapping the side of your, your thing like you are with the, the VR gear. It's like a little uh, one-handed remote. It actually looks kind of like a, a miniature version of like half a Steam controller with like a little touchpad on it. So... It looks pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, this is coming out early 2018. Uh, no exact date, but it should be out, uh, you know, first, second quarter next year. So pretty, pretty cool stuff. Um, I'm still pretty hesitant to jump on actually buying a headset. But, you know, again, this is a really good way to kind of help introduce people into the VR scene for a price that's actually affordable. People can. Well, I mean, what games can, are going to run on this? They I'm haven't a little wondering yet, too, because isn't you know? this really linked with Facebook? Well, I mean, uh, Oculus has its own store, but like you also you're just getting that little it, that controller. By the way, is almost the same as uh, Google's Daydream controllers. Hmm. Um, and so yeah, that's kind of the it's comparable to a Gear VR or Daydream and control scheme. So the games you should expect are probably comparable to. A gear vr or a daydream i mean you know the, the thing to bear in mind is yeah they're throwing an insanely high resolution screen in here for 200 dollars. so what's powering this sucker it's, right it's 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 got the processing power of a toaster oh i mean the and the thing is is that the gear vr is powered by oculus right um so i imagine that all of the gear vr stuff that is compatible um, will also work on this so you at least have an existing library you can go off of um but one issue as you pointed out um is that the battery is is tough um I, i've played with the gear vr my brother has one and for one his phone overheats super quick with it and the battery like dies like hardcore um so you might end up having to plug this thing into a wall pretty much to, to keep it going. But, uh, you know, unless they can solve some of the, the power consumption issues, you know, it, it'll be curious to see what kind of horsepower this thing actually has. I expect it to have the battery life of my toaster as well. Your toaster has batteries. That's exactly my point. <laughs> um, there you go. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, this is obviously Facebook putting out a, a big press release, so it's going to look probably better than it actually is. Um, but, you know, I think that we're we're still seeing a definite market push. Um, VR has remained at least, you know, uh, profitable enough to encourage, you know, developers to keep pushing and, and generate new headsets at a lower price that's a little more accessible. So, you know, it, it, as soon, I figure as long as it can perform adequately well, something along the terms of, of the Gear VR, I think it'll do pretty well. Um, I think the appeal of being able to have a portable VR system without having to have a Samsung phone is certainly nice. Um, and for 
you know, a hundred bucks more, that's, that's not terrible. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on this one for sure. I want to see how it does, but uh, it's, it's interesting at the very least. And I'm, I'm happy to see this technology at least maintaining some momentum moving forward, even if it is currently a little gimmicky and, and most likely these portable ones will be pretty gimmicky. You'll still see stuff like, uh, you know, Gunjack on there, which is a cute arcade game, but it's nothing to, to phone home about. Um, so you know, we'll see moving forward, and it should be interesting to see how well it does. Uh, another interesting thing that popped up that's uh, been kind of hot on the, uh, the the media outlets out there is a patent that Activision has recently filed for a system that uses matchmaking in games to encourage microtransactions. Um, and so this is this is kind of interesting and ingenious and absolutely disgusting. So basically, the idea is that. If you are someone who has purchased something in a game that with like premium currency, right? So that item you've purchased may or may not give you an advantage in the game or anything that's that's terribly tangible, but you have, right? You with under this system are more likely to be matchmaked with someone who is newer at the game and has not purchased that item. So you will most likely beat that person in the game because you're more experienced, you have a higher combat rating we'll call it um so you're most likely to win the game then tells the person that lost hey that guy that just killed you look at this premium cash item he has you know would you like to buy it press x to buy now and when you purchase this you are then matchmaked against people who are again not as high of a combat rating as you and haven't purchased the item so basically the idea is that the more stuff you buy the easier opponents you're going to get in the game and if you're the person getting stomped, it tells you, hey, if you buy this thing that the other guy used that may or may not have helped him kill you, uh, you know, you will in turn be rewarded by getting easier to people to play against. So it basically encourages you to keep buying if you're already buying, and it encourages you to buy if you're getting your butt kicked because it will make the game easier for you. And the disgusting part is that it doesn't even matter if the item is necessarily pay to win. It gives, but it's that it gives the perception that you you should buy this thing to get a better experience by being able to stop the next guy who hasn't purchased it yet. It's absolutely genius and it's horrible. Uh, so, so I don't understand. How is this not EA? That's a good question. Um, how, like, I, 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 like, I, I how, how, did, how did Activision get to this first? Um, yeah, and I mean, they're insisting up and down, oh, no, no, it's not in any games yet, so don't worry, we're not doing this right oh, now. So I'm like, but you're, you're even I'm, if it's, that's true, that means that if you if you filed a patent for something, you're, you're intending to use it. I, well, like, in, in fairness, in fairness, um, the, like, if, if you go off, like, stuff the tech industry patents, you'd think all sorts of crazy things are going on. Um, mm -hmm. that like, there's a strong incentive to basically just patent everything because then a, yes, you could use it later and B, you can sue people who use it later. So there's an incredible amount of stuff that's patented that does not like ever see use. Um, so I mean, they're like some of the really scary privacy violating type stuff in tech has been patented, but never used. Um, so, you know, grain of salt there, uh, but, you know, Activision this, is still only <sighs> second to EA in pure, unadulterated evil. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point, that, that patent does not mean implementation, but 
this is the kind of shit that we've kind of been moving towards anyways. So the fact that it's coming up now, I'm just like, Oh, all right, here we go. You know, it's, 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 it's such a psychological manipulation that it's, it's really disgusting because like I said, it doesn't even matter if the, it could be, Hey, this person's gun is pink and he totally owned you. And you're like, I bet that pink is going to help me win. And you'll, you're encouraged to buy it. And if you do, we, we you're all rewarded by getting I, a better I match next time. I think you're just time. grossed out because it's like blatant in your face, but this is happening. Thing I, yeah. you I don't know if you look at Facebook lately. Life. Facebook, For Google. Makeup ads, clothing, the food. You are being manipulated by the data you output, and they're just taking it and spinning it another way to get uh, I mean, it, they're doing you know. nothing different than like when you click on Facebook and, it, and whatever, you know, like, light soy calf goat milk latte that you bought at Starbucks is suddenly being advertised to you. That's exactly what this is. I, I, me, I mean, everybody like I'm watching, like I'm flashing through several game sites and some Reddit pages right now. And everybody that's talking about this, they're, they're using words like disgusting. Can't believe this. This is bullshit. Blah, 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 blah. You know what this is called? Advertising, targeted advertising, which is done everywhere. And you know what? If you buy the stuff, apparently the ad was for you. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's and absolutely you fair. <laughs> yeah, you want you liked it. <laughs> so I like I don't I don't mind that too much. Um, I, I I don't mind microtransactions generally until until they affect gameplay to the point where you can't win without whatever you, you know you can't win without buying something. And there are legitimately, I think, less and less games that are like that. There, and they've kind of they're starting the industry. I think has figured out like, uh, or they're, well, they're kind of starting to figure out a bit of a sweet spot of how do you pay something for the game up front, uh, or or maybe not. But how much of your progression slash game enjoyment do you really have to paywall? And and the, and the honest trick is to to get people to buy more is to not make it too hard where it frustrates them and they're like, screw this game, but not make it too easy where it's like, you know, I could grind like another week and a half or two weeks to get this thing, or I could drop like 10 bucks. You know, I'm really enjoying this game a lot. Yeah. 10 bucks is worth it. It's worth my time. You know, that's, that's the sweet spot that a lot of people are trying to find in these targeted microtransactions. Frankly, that's just another, it's another inject point to do that. I, I think, I mean, it's just, might be, you know, kind of really positive vibe about it, but uh, you know, I don't see it as inherently evil. I think I think what weird about it is positioning in a position. Okay, now I'll buy that. Also, yeah, and you're also kind of like, well, if they bought it and it actually sucked, people admit that's my problem. Then they're going to be like, well, I guess it what sucks go down. So they're ha they're trying to make if you bought this, our gift to you is slightly tilted stage. That's what the draw the line. Yeah, but is that is that actually how it's described? I, I didn't I did not get the impression that they were gonna get like favorable matchmaking in PvP or something. Um I, they just said that it's gonna be a, a session which the item is effective. Now we don't know that could what, be like what they wrap it in as effective, like maybe it's a a, a or stage or a preferable that maybe That's what I was that's what I read it as was more like, you know, yeah, they throw you on the 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 uh, whatever the Manus Peaks of their of their game when you buy a new sniper rifle. 
Oh, or check out the callback. Where there aren't many people, <laughs> so you can be. Who knows? Yeah, and yeah, to be clear, the the targeted advertising, whatever. You know, I, I don't really care about that. If 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 it's like, because I mean, that could be a, a good advantage. Like if some guy's got like a really slick looking character skin and you don't know where he got it from and it goes hey if you like this character skin you can click this button and get it that could actually be useful i'll buy that um my concern is when they they are trying to tailor your purchases to make it easier for you to win because of what you bought even if the item itself doesn't give an advantage but if it's it's trying to you know help you have an easier time uh that's when it kind of pushes the boundary where i'm like ah, i feel like this is pay to win even if the item itself isn't actually giving me an advantage if it's tweaking the numbers and the values of what's going on so that i am more likely to win after i buy this thing that's where i take issue that's fair that's fair for me like man y'all need to stop using facebook for one thing and then another thing I, I i'm thinking as i'm sitting here listening to everybody talk about this i think you know it, it comes up now and then in a month from now, everybody's going to forget about it. And then this time next year, we'll be talking about it again because Activision decided, oh, hey, let's try this in, in uh, this year's Call of Duty. Right. So I, I, I feel like it, they're just getting it out there. Just to, I, I do think that they are going to try to put some form of this thing in here in, in Call of Duty, let's say. Um, but I, I don't think we're... I don't think this will be the last thing that we hear about this. Um, kind of what Zell was talking about, how you know stuff that's patented. Kind of sometimes we don't hear we don't hear about it again. Um, I do think that we will hear probably this time. You you won't hear about it, and the reason why is because like uh, there was there was a set of things that I read uh, recently that was like favorite tricks game devs use to trick players, and it was kind of like a, a a bunch of people were you know listing them out on twitter and it's all like stuff where they do something unfair that makes the game feel more fair or you know based on based on their like i don't know if i could like off the top of my head recall one but the whole the whole concept is is that you don't necessarily notice and you think something is is just random but it's not I mean, there are some good examples of that where, like, difficulty will scale um, for single-player games based off of how you're performing, and it might kind of quietly make things a little bit easier for you. Like, Resident Evil 4 will do that. Like, if you get your, your ass kicked, like, over and over and over again, if you pay attention, you'll notice that enemies start reacting a little bit slower. There might be fewer of them. Their aim might be a little worse. Um, and that, that can actually enhance an experience. But when you get into to multiplayer, competitive multiplayer, it gets... It gets really dicey about what you can do, and and you got to be careful about how you you monetize this stuff because it can it can feel bad, like um like what Bate, what Bate was talking about. Like let's say in a year from now, um if they if Activision puts in a thing where it allows you to go in and see the cosmetics that the other guy bought, everyone will instantly go back to this thing and go, well if you're showing me what he bought, then clearly you must be you know tweaking matchmaking based on on what he purchased so that he has a, a you know he's better than me. Um, and so we'll hear about it again. Like we're we're definitely going to hear about it again. If they well, implement even part of this, we're going to hear about it again. I, I don't. Yeah. So let me throw you a scenario. Like um, in Destiny, like in a lot of other games, you can click on another player as you're walking around a social space or whatever, and you can, or you can just inspect a player at the end of the match and go to the leaderboard or whatever. You click on their name, which is their their PS4, you know, like you know, wall or whatever, and you can see. 
what their loadout was, you know, what, what gear they had, what shaders they had and, you know, what, what class they're playing, how they, you, you could basically inspect all facets of a character and, and what are the player wants as a, as a usable account. If you took a game like destiny, which is, you know, kind of a, you know, a looter shooter style style game. And I'm like, you know, I really, really, really want that thing that you, know, for whatever reason, I have my, the RNG sucks. I haven't get, been able to get it. And you like mouse over, you click it. And then like a buy it now bubble pops up, you know, for like so many, you know, like silver, you know, like destiny silver or whatever, AKA money. Um, that that's basically what you're talking about. And I don't think that's that big of a deal. No, that's fine. I think that's totally fine. But I think that if they make something that's in your face that that does that, and it's an Activision game, people are going to reference back to this this patent and assume that the other half of it, which is the matchmaking portion of it, is part of it. Um, and they probably will. I think like the, what you described is actually useful. I think that's that's a good feature to have. It helps drive sales. It helps people see things they like and go, yeah, I actually kind of want that. Where should I get that? And the game delivers it. That's fine. I think that's great. Um, <clears throat> but it's the other half that they got to watch out from. And I think that you know, as we see more of kind of like you said, the Destiny thing where you can purchase cosmetics and it will easily show you, you know, where to get it, they're going to start referencing this thing and, and be very wary of it, I think. Yeah, and Destiny tests, sure. <laughs> I'll buy it yeah. all. So yeah, it's it's interesting stuff. Um, you know, monetization is always a hot topic and, you know, there's there's definitely good and bad examples of kind of mentally manipulating players into into wanting to buy things. Um, I think one of the better ones is probably uh, Warframe in the way they do uh, the purchase of their platinum premium currency is that they will set the price of platinum like super high, like way higher than they ever intend to sell it for. Um, and then every time you log in to the game, you have a chance you get a coupon for like reduction of the cost of platinum. And it can go up to like 75% off. Um, and it's like, okay, if you buy platinum in the next 24 hours with this coupon, your first purchase will be 75% off. Well, you know, they've already mentally locked you into the idea that platinum costs this high amount. So if I'm getting 75% off, woo, it's on sale. That's a good deal. They probably always intended to sell it to you for that price. That, that that's, price. that's actually but, how Amazon works as well. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, 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 it's manipulative, but it makes the player feel better about what they're spending their money on. Like, I've done it, where it's like 75% off. I'm like, well, shit, I'm playing this game a lot. I guess I'll just buy the $100 pack, 25 bucks. You know, sure, it's a good deal. Um, I knew what was happening. I knew that I was basically being taken, um, but... You know, I got the value out of it. I felt like I got a good deal. It felt good to buy it. And that's the kind of model you want where it's like, yes, I'm going to encourage you to buy. But when you do it, you're going to feel good about it. And if you can deliver on that, people have a much better experience overall. Um, and I think that's kind of the way you, you want to do it if you're going to do it. Um, so, you know, there's there's good and bad. Um, and it's it's always something that we, we keep an eye on because it's, it's definitely a hotly debated topic, especially with, you know, the cost of producing games going up with the price tag for the base game staying the same um, at $60 typically that they got to find some other way to make up that cost. So, you know, microtransactions, DLC, you know, we'll, we'll see a lot of evolution, I think over the next, you know, decade or so of where this is going. It'll be good to be good to, to follow it. I think it'll be interesting if we have, a, even if we have a few bumps along the way. All right. A few quick things here. Um, 
Final Fantasy XIV, that's the Final Fantasy MMO online game. Uh, Halloween event is now live. That's going to run until November 1st if you want to hop in on that. Uh, also, uh, the major update 4.1 is out. New story, raid, dungeon, all the good stuff. We've talked about it before, so I won't get into it. But uh, you do have until November 1st to uh, pick up that Halloween event and, and all the items that come with it. Resident Evil 7 also got a new trailer. Um, so we have the upgaming, upcoming uh, Not a Hero DLC, which is a free story DLC featuring uh, Chris Redfield, uh, kind of venturing back into the Baker Mansion. Um, really looking forward to that. That is free to everyone. Uh, so you do not need to have the season pass to get access to that. And that is still on, on track of being released on December 12th this year. Had gone through a couple of delays, but it seems like they're still pushing pretty hard for that December release date. So really looking forward to that. We'll definitely do an updated uh, Dungeon Crawl episode or two on that one when it comes out. Uh, also, this new trailer kind of highlights some of the uh, scenes from the uh, End of Zoe story DLC. Um, and this is kind of one that wasn't apparently, wasn't going to cut. We didn't know about it um, initially, but it kind of talked a little bit about it. And we finally saw some actual trailer footage of it. I don't believe that this one is free. Um, I think this is part of Maybe the season pass, but I'm going to buy it anyways, so we're still going to do it because Resident Evil 7 is, is really, really good. Uh, no release date on that one, but we will have a description, a link to, this, link to the trailer in the description so you can check out the trailer. Really good stuff. Uh, also, fun fact, uh, the game finally hit 4 million units sold. Unfortunately, it came, that was kind of the original sales goal, but it came like seven months late when they wanted to actually hit it. So the game, despite getting really high scores, like high 80s, 90s um, on Metacritic, uh, just didn't sell nearly as well as they hoped it would. But, uh, you know, it is a really solid game. I do suggest you check it out if you do like kind of the uh, survival horror genre. It is, is good stuff. Uh, also, the uh, dates for the upcoming Steam sales have been leaked. Uh, so the autumn, or sorry, the Halloween sale is going to be from October 26th, November 1st. The autumn sale is through November 22nd to November 28th, and the big winter sale is from December 21st to January 4th, 2018. So, if you are a PC gamer, protect your wallets. Sales are coming. And finally, I kind of want to talk a little bit about Destiny 2, some more information coming out. Uh, they went and kind of explained what they meant by seasons. So if you are playing Destiny 2, you understand that there are some references to seasons in the game. Um, and what they kind of described it as is a season is something that happens, you know, there's about four of them every every year, so probably about three months long. And it's kind of meant to be kind of a start and end point for a series of content releases. And each one is going to kind of have its own theme behind it um, with some reoccurring um, rituals, which are like Iron Banner, Faction Rally. You'll probably see those every season, along with some other stuff that might be, you know, seasonal related based on a holiday or, you know, a certain event like Sparrow Racing, that sort of thing. Um, and that'll be a little bit different uh, each each time the season kind of restarts. Uh, certain items from Bright Engrams, which are kind of the cash-up items, um, those will be swapped out. So I think, like, as an example, um, the exotic ramen eating emote will be swapped out for a mic drop emote. So you'll see a few things disappear from the cash shop and some new ones coming in. Well, you just you just actually got the, the ramen one this last week, Libby, so you're good. I know, but I want one. <laughs> so yeah, if, if there are some cash shop items, they are, in a sense, limited edition. They might return at a later date, but uh, if you want certain ones now, 
uh, you'll either have to grind for experience or purchase some bright engrams for uh, silver, which is unfortunate because they are very, very random in what they drop, and it's difficult to get specific items, um, which is largely why I have not purchased them. But if you do play the game a lot, you can get them just through leveling up normally. Uh, Iron Banner, um, it's going to return in Season 2. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different. Kind of one of the main gripes about Iron Banner is that if you wanted to get the special edition gear that was Iron Banner themed, uh, it was pretty much just grind for tokens and hope that the engrams you got dropped what you wanted, which was kind of a pain in the ass. There was the nothing S. random about the random number generator <laughs> that garnered that loot. T- or, to tell us where Saladin touched or the you, lack what happens. Of loot. <laughs> Uh, uh, anecdotally, along with a whole lot of other people on the interwebs, you know, yeah, 40 some odd packages and all I got was like gloves and boots, like no chest piece, no, no helmet, no nothing. Uh, I was a little bit, little bit aggravated and apparently there's an ill thought out, but well-intentioned response to somebody on, uh, one of the, on the destiny, uh, I think uh, official Reddit. Where one of the one of the community guys is like, "Well, hey, you guys don't want all the stuff at once, do you?" <laughs> and the, that didn't go over well. Do, do you know gamers at all? Yes, they want all the things all the time, all at once. Um, yeah, the the, the drop rate and some of that stuff was was terrible. I got really lucky and happened to get the the one piece of armor I really wanted, which is really cool. But uh, I was I was kind of sweating at the end there, hoping I was going to get it in time. Um, good news is, is that when Iron Banner returns in Season 2, you will be able to purchase items directly from uh, Saladin for uh, Legendary Shards and Tokens. So you'll still get the, the care packages, the, the engrams that are randomly generated with, you know, whatever you may or may not get. Uh, but you should still be able to purchase, you know, the things you specifically want um, a little bit easier. So you can at least kind of snipe the things you, you really want, and then keep playing to get, you know, a mix of the stuff that may not be as important to you. So that's kind of how it was uh, in Destiny 1. I have no idea why they changed it for Destiny 2. Um, I like being able to just straight up buy what I wanted. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, that's a good change coming from uh, from season two. Iron Banner will also be returning again during season one, most likely after the PC release of the game, uh, which is uh, this is coming Tuesday, actually October twenty fourth. Most likely to let all of the PC players try all of the events that you know the console players have already done. Um, the changes to Iron Banner will not be in this next iteration of you know during season one. It's only going to be during season two, so it'll be you know two months or so before that one comes in. So um, a bit to wait on that one. So the next one will still be the same BS, but uh, much needed changes will be coming uh, in season two. Uh, other rituals like faction rally will also see some changes in season two. So that's good. Um, and overall, they just kind of want to try to update, you know, the game periodically and kind of have these hard benchmarks of like expect new stuff, you know, at the change of the season and kind of, you know, dice it up into more digestible pieces. So I think that's that's probably good. It's, it's a better way to present it to the players. Um, keep in mind that all of your clan experience you've built up uh, throughout the season will reset when the season ends. So, you know, if you've leveled up to four, five, six, whatever, um, that's going to go back down to level zero um, 
when the season shifts over. And those bonuses that you unlock through clan um, evolution will also change. So you'll see some different bonuses from leveling up, that sort of thing. I think they were also talking about raising the personal cap um, that you can contribute per character uh, to kind of help some of the smaller clans kind of still push their way through the ranks. Because it's it's real tough if you've got a small group to actually get you know maxed up because you know, you're limited each week. And if you're not like capping three characters, you're really going to lag behind. And not everyone has time for that. So good to see that they're going to let you kind of, you know, get a little bit more contribution in if you're willing to grind, you know, a bit more than, than some people with you know larger groups. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I was just kind of going to comment. I think that's a pretty good roundup of things that they're looking to look to change. I there there are any as as you can obviously expect any number of things that uh, the community quote unquote community uh, would really like them to adjust, modify, change, add, and all that other kind of stuff. The biggest thing that I thought out of all of that news that is, it's kind of hidden in there, but when you kind of look through the, you sort through kind of some of their press releases today or like this last week, um, the game is now in the hands of the live team. And that's, that's something that not a lot of people understand. So there's the game development side, like the, the, they, they basically gets you through the development, the beta, the launch, and then that, f- and depending on the game house, like that first set of uh, initial upgrades, which are, you know, they're already built, they're pre-planned, but they basically roll them out slightly slow in a, in a little slower manner just to make sure everything is working in the game right. Uh, and then it often it will transition to a quote-unquote live team. The live team is still the same group that gave you Taken King, Rise of Iron, uh, you know, basically everything once they hit the reset button on Destiny 1, which I would argue was quite good. Rise of Iron was actually really good. Like there's a, a ton of really neat story uh, story activities that went on inside that, you know, that expansion. So that I think kind of bodes well for the direction they're taking. Now you, you can, you can, and there are a lot of people that do take issue with how vanilla they've made the game you know, in a, you know, kind of in a bad way, how they've homogenized a lot of the game. But if the live team is now kind of driving the train on sort of the, the big, the big add-ons and the big DLCs and stuff that they've got a really good track record. So I think that's probably a, you know, long-term could be kind of a, a good thing for the game. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the, they clearly have more of a set out roadmap of these are the things we want to do, the kind of content we want to bring you. This is the pace we want to deliver it at. Um, and that's that's really good. It's, it's going to help satiate people's desire to keep playing and, and have a constant stream of new stuff to kind of work on. And I think that's going to be much better for kind of the community as a whole. So I'm looking forward to it. I think that they will deliver pretty well next. Like you said, some of their, their past work has been quite good. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited, even if I've kind of capped out right now about, about how much I'm playing, I'm kind of moving on to some other stuff, but I'm sure they'll, they'll inject something, you know, in a month or so that'll, that'll bring me back in. So I, I, I have faith in them. So actually on that note, um, we are doing kind of a first tier for, uh, for biomass. And this is actually entirely because of Livy. She is graciously donating, um, something to us to give away to all of our listeners. So uh, what she has is a physical PS4 version of Destiny 2 that we are going to be giving away to our listeners. 
Um, and so this is entirely her. Um, you know, we were very appreciative of it. And uh, so we, we, we do want to kind of raffle this away or kind of give this giveaway. So uh, we're going to kind of put out the, the, the call on Twitter and Discord and our website and that sort of thing. And what we are looking for from you guys is that we want you to submit uh, your idea for an interesting topic we can talk about on the show. Um, and we'll kind of rifle through all of them and, and whichever one we find to be the most interesting or intriguing or would be you know really, really cool to talk about, uh, we will talk about it on the show. You're more than welcome to join if it is your idea um, and kind of chat with us about it. And uh, we will send you this copy of Destiny 2 for PS4. So, um, yeah, it, it should be pretty good. It's kind of exciting to kind of start doing this sort of thing. And so I, I do want to thank Libby for for graciously donating the game, the copy of the game to us so we can give it away to you guys. I think it's going to be pretty cool. And uh, I look forward to uh, the ideas you guys come up with for some topics. So you can let us know um, pretty much anywhere. we got all the contact information on the website. You can ping any of us on Discord. Uh, please send a private message, not just a, a mention. Those are really hard to track. Uh, or you can hit us up on Twitter. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that as well. So just let us know, and we'll be uh, we'll kind of be telling those up. I mean, uh, how much time do you think is appropriate, guys? Like two two weeks? At the rate that Zell puts these out, probably. Okay, so three weeks. So we'll 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 put up an exact date um, on all of our outlets, and then you'll have you'll you'll know when the deadline is, and then we'll let you know once we decide. But uh, we'll get it out there, and uh, yeah. Is it that you wanted to say, Libby? No, it's just pain. <laughs> yes, play Destiny 2. It's painful. Uh, <laughs> no, it's it's actually a pretty fun game. I, I do play it regularly, and, and we're we're hopping on there with, with Jay and my brother and some other friends of ours and, and doing stuff all the time. So, you know, you will have people to play with. We're more than, more than happy to kind of play with you if you uh, need someone to, to you know run around with. But uh, this is for PS4, just to clarify. So we don't have an Xbox or PC version, but this is for PS4. So... Uh, thank you, Libby, and we'll get more details out to you guys uh, real soon in terms of you know deadlines and, and when we'll announce all this. Uh, one last quick thing, uh, just kind of something that's upcoming. Uh, someone actually gifted me a copy of Grim Dawn on uh, Steam. It is a kind of a Diablo 2 style uh, isometric you know RPG game. So looking forward to that. Uh, Ripley Riley's one that donated to me. It was on sale, and I. Kind of had it sitting on my wish list for a while because I love Diablo games. They're they're really fun. So, uh, and I'll try to find some time to give this one a shot, and I'll kind of give my thoughts on it. If you're you're interested in it, it'll probably pop up on one of the upcoming Steam sales. So we'll try to get that review out uh, before then, and then you can watch to see if it uh, goes on sale to uh, pick it up for yourself if you're interested. So uh, expect that in a few weeks. And with that, guys, I think we're kind of good on time here. About an hour and a half, maybe a bit less, once we cut all the silence out but uh let's do some shout outs so zell buddy you're up um i will give my shout out to uh all the halloween events that i'm playing you didn't mention uh so all of blizzard's halloween events are are currently live um and and that's that's my shout out for today okay sounds good Bate, you're up yeah so um uh i want to give a shout out to um uh the local oktoberfest event um here in town that was held um, I think it's still going on. Um, went out with some friends last night, walked around there, and that was um, entertaining to to say the least. Um, so so that was that was a good time. Um, what else? Uh, this week is the on Friday is the launch of Assassin's Creed, so I'm going to preemptively shout out uh, that in the hopes that it is good. My pre-order is still up, and I am going to pick that bad boy up and uh, binge that shit over the weekend. 
All right, sounds good. Jay, you're up. Yeah. Uh, so shout out number one to Livy. Uh, we really appreciate the support of the show and uh, the like physical copy that we can mail out uh, to our contest winner. So we, again, really appreciate that. Thank you very much, Livy. Uh, and shout outs to, let me see, everybody that puts together elaborate Halloween costumes for no reason other than you just want to do it. Uh, I'm watching my wife put together the family uh, Halloween costumes. We're doing a fallout four theme and she's, she's a little OCD. So She's got our, our eight-year-old son a to-the-T Fallout 4 jumpsuit, or, uh, the little Vault 111 jumpsuit. She's she's making everything, by the way. So it it is Comic-Con-ready Vault 111 Vault Dweller jumpsuit with, you know, faux leather shoulder armor, you know, the whole smash. Um, she's put together her own, her own costume. She's putting together a Nick Valentine outfit for me. With with the 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 latex applique for all of the makeup, <laughs> um, and she's doing a bunch of stuff to decorate the front of our house in Fallout Four. So uh, I'm sitting here watching this, and like I know, like Pokey's brother does, he's done, you know, like some uh, accoutrements and stuff like that for cosplayers before, and like watching her go through the process, all the way from she's making Nuka Cola, like no shit. So she goes. She go get. She goes to get tonic water, the right kind of glass bottle. She gets spare bo- bottle caps from another place. Downloads high res HD images of the labels and the top of the bottle caps, and then assembles it all. And then gets a base that she could put the bottles on that have a bright blue LED light in them, and they look phenomenal. So, uh, hands off to anybody that does that. Is there any chance we can get some some photos of what she constructs? I, we, that sounds right, awesome. Like some, I will be. I will do that. Pics at least. <laughs> I we will. I will do that. Uh, we'll we'll post some of those up. We'll send them to you, uh, so you can get you can see the uh, the finished work. She's actually making you know the little the little hand grenades made out of like uh, like soup cans, you know that you see uh, you know that the that the little scavengers throw at you she's making a bunch of those and she she spray painted rust onto fresh cans of peas I've, I've never seen anything like this in my life she literally took like two or three different colors of stuff and like sprayed them on over there she's trying to build a robot hand to simulate the nick valentine nick valentine's a robot for people that don't know um, Shit. he's trying to uh she's trying to like actually build the robot hand that i have to use on my right hand <laughs> it's it's crazy <laughs> That's I, I I can't wait to see this. Like that's all sounds freaking awesome. So that's that's pretty legit, man. Yep, I will absolutely share some photos. Sounds good. All right, Livy, you're up. Dude, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> oh, it is. No, but that's no awesome. kidding. It is. Like I'm like she, this is. She's been doing this for about. She's been working on this for probably a couple, like two and a half months now, two months. And you know, she's sewing stuff. She's putting everything together. She's got a. Uh, a lot of crafty type stuff. She basically everything but a 3D printer. If she, like, I think if I bought her a 3D printer, she'd be very angry with me. Like, totally, I can't speak to you angry for like five minutes. She'd get over it and start making shit left and right. Um, but yeah, it's, it is a phenomenal process. And then what it really has done is when you go on like Etsy or Flickr or something like that and you see the level of craft that people put into, I'm going to go to PacWest or I'm going to go to, you know, San Diego, I'm going to go to whatever con that you want. And they have these 
just a lot like things you would expect to see in a live action movie like that level of quality it is phenomenal i mean it's like her stuff's good but it's like really good for like a mom putting it together in her house good uh which is and she's taken nerf guns and gone to town on custom painting nerf guns and turned them into some pretty phenomenal things i i didn't i was like one i didn't know she was that interested in it she's a huge steampunk fan so she's always like on the lookout for goggles and you know, wear gloves and like, you know, newsboy hats and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. It's, it's actually really cool. Um, well, uh, my shout out is that uh, you said we were, I'm going to say quote unquote wedding normality in Japan and Louisiana. It was an engagement. <laughs> um, but you know, the people out there are really nice crap. I booking.com page booked renovate jail as our in or slash we made the reservation text message. And, um, <laughs> It, it, you know, in the end, we, we got there and everything was great. And this, I think it, it, I think it's, I don't think many people even heard about it. I can't remember the name, but it's like the inn at the old jailhouse right in the middle of New Orleans, the, maybe a few blocks west of Baton Rouge, Bourbon Street. But I mean, this place has so much history. Demolish it. This couple in South America literally worked their asses to get this back up and have it and that it was. And so I mean, shout out to them and they won't ever hear. But if anyone's ever staying in New Orleans, all they have to look up in jail, <laughs> they will find nice. that place. I'll have the actual name of it, but oh my God, it was amazing. Yeah, that, that was absolutely incredible. I'll have to send some photos to you guys of the, guys of the, um, the interior. It's, it's unbelievable. Very, very cool place. It's very unique. Much better than going to a Hilton or something. Just very, very cool. Good experience. Uh, my shout out is actually going to go. This is why I was gone last week. Um, so every year my family goes to uh, Knott's Scary Farm over in California. So uh, there's Knott's Berry Farm, which is kind of the Snoopy themed, you know, theme park. Um, you know, not not like Disney levels, but it's it's a smaller theme park. But uh, in the Halloween time at night, they actually do Knott's Scary Farm, where they convert some buildings in the areas of the uh, park into like haunted houses like you know you go through like a maze or whatever people jump out and scare you um, and uh, this year we went it was absolutely fantastic um, they really upped their game on, on a lot of the stuff very very impressed it was really really good experience so if you ever have a chance to be in California in you know the Anaheim area during uh, during Halloween time try to check it out it's it's actually really really cool stuff um, not always great for like super tiny kids but like if you got like you know 12 and above, um, or even if you're just an adult, uh, it's a really good time, a lot of fun. So be sure to check it out if you if you get a chance to. But uh, shout out to those guys who did a, a really good job this year, and I was very impressed. So good stuff. Okay, are you guys still uh, like running your own haunted house? We uh, do it off and on. Uh, not doing it this year, just uh, didn't quite work out. Uh, but uh, yeah, we, we do try to do that. And this year we kind of settled for uh, just doing a, like a miniature version in our front yard. So, you know... Uh, but yeah, we, 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 we try different things and we have a good time with it. Good deal. All right, guys. Well, it's a pretty long show, so we're going to wrap this one up for a close. Uh, you know, like I said, we'll get the details on our contest out. Uh, thanks again to Libby for, for donating that copy of Destiny 2, and we'll, we'll get you guys the details. But, uh, you know, thanks for tuning in. If you want to be on the show, uh, let us know. If you have any ideas for the show, be sure to enter the contest, and hopefully we can get something out there for you guys. And, uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. So we'll catch you next week, and uh, have a safe night out there.